Old Gold Club. Powered by Blythe Group. With Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. Hello there, welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows, he's Chris Iwalumo, our guest on uh, this episode is Mr. Michael Kiteley. All right, Paul. Hi, mate. You right? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get both. we'll get to some of your bits in a, a little while because um, there's something actually very specific in this part of the podcast that, that involves you. Um, just before we get into that, it's been a couple of weeks now since we did what we knew at the time was going to be our most controversial episode we'd ever done and probably will ever done in having Roger Johnson in. But genuinely, the responses that I've had, the vast majority, have been really, really positive. So thank you so much on behalf of myself and Looms and everybody who works on the old Gold Club because people really seem to enjoy it. Um, I had one in that kind of really stuck with me from a guy called Tom Bowen who um, was very, very complimentary. Thank you for that, Tom. And he just said, from start to finish, it was insightful, hard-hitting, and from a fan's perspective, enlightening. Um, And he just said, you know, we asked the tough questions at the right time. And to let Roger know uh, the thanks and admiration that he has for him for fronting up and being so honest, really refreshing to get an insight from someone whose time with the club wasn't quite as successful. Which it was the main part reason we wanted to do it, really. No, I think it's important that I think uh, fans, people realise that footballers, they're human beings. You know, there's there's two sides to every story, uh, and it, I think credit to to Roger to come in and and say it as it was. You know, because I think when you when you've got certain ties to a football club contracted to a football club there's sometimes that you can't come out and be vocal you have to just keep your head down get on with it grind it out and as we heard that's that's exactly what you've done so I think it's always it was always going to kind of create mixed reactions but no delighted that it has the reaction that it did and it's the big part of this podcast that we want people to be honest and get to their stories and I'm looking at Michael Kiteley who's smiling well on this note it's one of those things you Kites, in in the dressing room, you were vocal. You you always had very high standards and you weren't afraid to have a go at anyone. And it's something that I I, I took I took to you uh, when I played here for that very fact. You know, there's certain characters in the dressing room that when they speak, you'll you'll listen. You know what I mean? And even as vocal as you was, you never backed down from anyone. You know what I mean? I'm mm. sure you even came for me on occasion, but <laughs> no, that's but that's but that's who you were. You know what I mean? And I think that's what made that group of players so, uh, I guess, so strong, united. You know what I mean? I remember I said we played bottom away in pre-season uh, earlier uh, when we done the one with Steels, and you uh, you said we were going to get promoted. You gave that shout after I think the first or second game of pre-season. Because, you know, we've got everything. We've got everything in this dressing room. You know what I mean? And it's just one of those things that your your football brain, the ability that you had, I think it was one of those things you knew that even though it wasn't expected of that group, inside inside those four walls, that dressing room, we, we knew exactly what we had, didn't we? Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, because I'd been there from the start, really, of sort of like Mick McCarthy's era, Um and we'd missed out a couple of uh, seasons before, and then we obviously added yourself. Um, we added Voxy, Steels, 
steers. You know, we added some really good players um, and I just felt that we had a right chance. I think Jarvo just started to sort of, started to peak. Um, he'd been there a couple of seasons before, but it sort of took his time to get going and Jarvo started to peak. Obviously, I knew that if I could stay fit, that I could, you know, contribute. We had, you know, a solid midfield. We had you and obviously um, Blakey, Ebanks Blake up top and I just knew that we had goals in us and I, I just knew that it was going to be a good season if we could keep everyone fit, and, and we did, to be fair. So, you know, it was it was a great season, wasn't it? You're saying that, you're thinking that first game, Plymouth away, wasn't it? Keogh, it was Andy Keogh himself. So I, got, I, I think I, I only got into the team because I got a brace against Accrington in the, the midweek cup. It's just, that's how good the, the squad was. Volksy was coming off the bench, scoring goals left, right and centre. Super sub. But it was one of those... Uh, we, defensively, we were, we were we were we were okay, but going forward, that like we we had goals coming from everywhere across the back four, full back scoring, you know, like you, Jarvo, me, Silv, David Jones, and Henry in behind. It was it was strength. It had so much quality and depth, you know. Um, we're going to get into this before we get into the main show because it's been a, a running theme um, from some of the guys from that era, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, there is a view from Carl Henry mostly, but also Richard Stearman shares it and a few others, that your 2009 team doesn't get the amount of respect that it should compared to the 2003. You're smiling already, <laughs> which suggests to me you maybe agree with that. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously at the end of the day, we won the league and we won it pretty comfortable in the end, really. Um and obviously the team before, obviously they've done really well to get promoted, but you know, they went up through the playoffs, um, which is which is a great achievement. But we also got to remember, I'm pretty sure they got relegated the, the following yeah. season. And, w- and we managed to stay in the Premier League for a you know, for a couple good couple of years. Um and it's sort of everyone sort of puts their that team on a on a different sort of pedestal. But why why do you think that is? I have no idea. Because you, because this, because I always thought this was just a Carl Henry thing when he first came out with it. Because you don't, you've never felt like that. But then you left early. Yeah, and I think for that very fact, you got to remember Carl Henry's a, a local boy. He knows what's going on. He hears yeah, but kind of said, though, yeah, but he's still very close with that that group. You know, it was one of those when I moved, and I've I've had eighteen clubs. You know, and it's one of them. I do keep in touch. We, we, but it's one of them you move on to the next and you go on with your career and football is a path that you take so I never really I had an amazing time here it's Wolves got the best out of me that 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 period with the fans the club the promotion it was it, it is it's the, it's the best moment in my footballing career I think that. I think it did it to all of us didn't it if, it you, did. if, if you look at all of us that played the, la- the lads that had you know a big part to play in that promotion I think it did exactly the same thing no. I always look back and think that but then when I've when I've moved to the next club and you've got a job to do you've got I, I never quite I never quite felt that even Carl at that at that time and the season and the season afterwards he led and he spoke for the players but he didn't come in and, and say oh and had an opinion about what, what he's hearing at, the, at his mum's local or whatever it may be you know what I mean so for whatever reason, they're, they're, they're not held in the in the highest 
the same regard as, as the others and that is it's disappointing but you know what it's, it's part and parcel of football like you said the reason for it the players were probably still very present playing in this in, in, in that group and that 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 squad yeah. uh, the museum it's all about past uh so that's probably the, the, the main argument for that really yeah, it's just interesting. Cause it is, yeah. I'm not so sure even the lads that got promoted recently, you know, like the Danny Baths uh, uh, that have gone promotion, promotion and got the club from, from League One back to the Premier League. I'm not sure even they probably get yeah, but the, as much as what the... Yeah. the, the there is an element that it'd been, it'd been like 19 years though that they'd been out of the top flight and it was the way like it capitulated the year before and so it was a little bit of a surprise that 2003 like by the time you guys come along it'd only been 5 years since they'd been out mm. of the top flight and i think that's a, you know it's a, it's a hard thing to say to players who were involved yeah. in it and had that thing but those guys who did it in 2003 ended for a lot for a number of fans that was the first time they'd seen wolves in the top flight yeah, no, I get it. it was, it's a great point. achievement, and it, it doesn't even bother me. I don't even really think about it. But when, you know, Carl Emery's obviously mentioned it a few times. When people do mention it, you do sort of go, yeah, they've got a point. Yeah, yeah. Especially when we've won the league. Um, the biggest thing that you are kind of remembered for is um, being an absolute bargain. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. Packet peanuts, isn't it? Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> and I, I put this out there on social media in the last couple of weeks about um, who was the best kind of bargain that um, that Wolves had signed. And there were so many that went for you. Graham Cope says best bargain has to be Kitely in recent times. There were a few others as well. Here are some of them. Neil Pugh says best bargain has to be Matt Doherty. Uh, Ebanks Blake's nutmeg goal against Charlton was uh, another was worth his signing. Um, Wolves' old programme said £5,000 for Kenny Hibbert from Bradford Park Avenue. Kenny's been on Absolutely, the yeah. old gold club. Although, I mean, it's difficult to know what that value is worth back in in that day because 5000 now obviously isn't very much but, but 5000 yeah. in that time might have been a bit more Andy Much cost 5 grand as well uh, that was in like 80s um, Louis uh, he had loads uh, Jean Martino um, Steve Ball Tomo Kitely Matt Jarvis uh, Dave Edwards he also classes as a bargain and Kevin Muscat as well. Phil says bargain has to be a phobie. Two million pound initial fee, scored a few good goals, then sold him for 10 million, then bought him back and then sold him again for another bit of profit. Um, Mark says best bargain, impossible to look past Stephen George Bull. Ian Groom says 275,000 for Mike Stow was a good bit of business when you look back. And this one from GSD says for the bargain by besides Bully, he'd say Michael Kiteley from Grays for £20,000 was vital in us getting promoted. And we sold him for, they, they reckon, three million. Is that right? I think it was two, I think. But yeah, it was. Which is significantly think, way more than. Yeah, I than think, what I you think cost. it was 25 grand in the end, I think it was. Because this person also said that um, you were their favourite player and childhood hero, and they always get number seven on shirts because of you. That's nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what was the What was the story when the I'm not sure it was you that was saying it uh, in Soccer M the car. Remember you turned up in the car in the Fiesta. <laughs> yeah. How long did it last? <laughs> Didn't last long. He used to pop out of gear and everything, and the boys were like, "Who's this guy? <laughs> Just come from non-league." But obviously, at the time, Mick had signed a few players like like myself that from. Yeah, you know, Simon Wardy from non-league in Ireland, Andy Keogh from lower levels. So I sort of 
I was able to sort of get straight into a little bit of a group where we're all in the same bag. What would you say? Would, would you say that that because of the fact that you've you've dropped down levels, you've experienced it there, that when you had this opportunity, you just you took it with both hands. Yeah, you I never th- left nothing to. Chance. Yeah, I think that really helped me. Um, obviously, I was at Spurs as a as a real young kid, and then sort of fell out of love of the game and sort of went and played with with my schoolmates, and then. I went to South End, which is my local team, and then they released me, and I thought, you know what, I've had enough, really. And I was quite lucky I went to a good non-league team, and I had good 18 months there, and from nowhere, I was yeah, a side like Wolves to come in for you. It's just okay. amazing. I remember walking around Molyneux and around the training ground just thinking, wow, like this is amazing. And, and, and then that just gave me just a fire in my belly to do well for the club. We will get into that and an awful lot more on our full show in just a minute. Um, keep those bargain buys coming, by the way. You can always email us, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk. We're going to hear from our sponsor, which this year is Blythe Group, who power the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Match Day Live, of which Michael Kiteley has been a part of this year, by the way. He's uh, come to watch a couple of games. He's lucky, actually. Since he's turned up, we haven't lost yet. <laughs> there you go. By the time this podcast goes out, we might have done, so... And who knows we can the luck will have run out but there you go um, we will hear from the Blythe group and then it's the show this season the old gold club and Wolves TV match day live are powered by Blythe group an industry leading construction company and family run business since 1982 driving investment and infrastructure across the UK Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Match days at Molyneux are always special. Ruben Neves to strike it! Ruben Neves! Ruben Neves! Ruben Neves! With an unbelievable hit! And now you can make a real day of it with the new official Wolves Fan Zone. Kick off every home Premier League match with big screen entertainment, games, visits from former players and even a licensed bar on the Wanderer car park. Oh, you The official Wolves Fan Zone... Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. As ever, alongside me is Chris Awelamo. And this episode, we're joined by a man who made 127 appearances across six years, scoring 24 goals. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Michael Kitely. Right, thanks for having me. Welcome back to Molyneux. I know you've been back with me to do games and stuff, but is it weird walking back into a place that I know um, has a real special place in your heart. Yeah, it is. I think even just driving past the, the ground, you know, just brings back so many good memories. Because you loved it here. Yeah, I loved it, yeah. It was the best part of my, my career by far, easily. You said that it, it made you fall back in love with football, didn't it give you that kind of fire in your belly? Just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, obviously, because when I came, I didn't have any expectation on, on myself um, no one knew me um, 
and I had a good manager who came in and just said, if you if you do the business in training and in, in, in games, you'll play. And there was no egos in that dressing room. And, and that was a massive part of why I did well, I think. I came in and just hit the ground running. Um, and I just every time I just played for this club, I had that fire in my belly that I wanted to do well for the club, not just for myself, which I found later on in my career that I, I started playing football for myself. And that's when I think it started going down here, where I felt here I was playing for the manager, I was playing for the boys, and I was playing for the fans. And I think that's the only time in my whole career that I've, I've ever had that. Were you ever nervous about making that jump up? Because obviously you'd had a little taste of the Football League, but having made your name with Greys to get the opportunity to not just go to a Football League club, but a big club in the Championship First Division who are looking to get up as well. That's a big jump. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I was I was nervous in my debut um, because that was against Southend away and that was the club that released me and I really wanted to do well in that game because I wanted to prove to them that they'd made a mistake. So I was really nervous in that game but only because I wanted to prove to them that they'd made a mistake. Um, and then I think my second game um, was away at QPR, the game that I scored in. And no, I, was, I wasn't nervous at all. Um, I, I was just looking forward to playing and, and doing the best that I could do for the club. And I think it helped that we had a good dressing room and a good manager. We didn't have any, as I said, any egos, any people that have sort of put extra pressure on you. Um, and I think actually that season we wasn't tipped to do very well. Well, what was that dressing room like? Because, I mean, it's about two years before he arrives... And that group, as you say, was kind of still in transition a bit. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, you know, we had you know Gary Breen, um, who had a lot of experience, and it, he was brilliant. I got on really well with him, and I, I found that I learned a lot off of him. Um, then, obviously, Jody Craddock and, and people like that. Carl Emery was 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 there then, and and it was it was a great dressing room, um, but we just didn't quite have the quality that we had two years later, obviously, to get promoted. You know when you you actually kind of you broke in you you hit the you hit the floor running, did you actually then set yourself targets because there was a lot of responsibility on you as well as a as a player? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, it was weird. So you know, it's when you're playing well when you're young. You know, it's like yourself. You just you just go out and do it, don't you? You don't even think. Um, and I remember because I signed in November yep. on loan, viewed to a permanent. I had some interest from other clubs and, and, and sort of Mick McCarthy was sort of like laughing, oh, are you, you going to leave? And I didn't even think about leaving. I was just enjoying my time here. I've obviously moved up from Essex. I didn't know anyone, um, you know, stayed local to the to the training ground and I just I just loved every minute of it. How important was, was Mick, the gaffer, to you, you coming? Yeah, massive, yeah. I remember when I drove up here, I had, um, I had Forrest that I could have gone to as well and as soon as I met Mick... I, I thought oh, there's no point in me going to Forest. Um, obviously, he, it's just the way he was, the way he, conduct, he conducted himself, the way he made me feel wanted. Even though that I knew that I was a bit of a, I was a nobody, um, he made me feel like I, I was special, and that he really wanted me here. Um, and as I said, I didn't even bother going to Forest. And, and you know what, what a massive club Forest is, and for me to just go, nah, yeah. I, I wasn't even thinking, or oh, maybe Forest could all, offer me a bit more money. I wasn't even thinking that. I just, as uh, soon as I got up here, I, I knew that I wanted to sign. Because I was looking, just looking through the, the, the squad when you first arrived. And it, I mean, it's massive, like, because the turnaround of players that we were kind of going through at that period. And 
you're synonymous with you and Matt Jarvis as the wingers, and yet obviously Jarvo wasn't here at that time. No. So, I mean, Stephen Ward, I guess, would have played some games on the wing, and Rowan Ricketts. Wardy was actually a forward then. Yeah. Yeah. Wardy was a striker. He's playing with Keogh up front. I think it was it was wide me and Mackindo. Um, I can't believe. I can't so Rowan Ricketts would have played yeah, kind of in a ten sometimes. He, was, he played wide as well. He was a character. Yeah, he used to come in with his slippers on. <laughs> Never seen anything like him. What a guy! But like the team very quickly began to change, and that season, it, when we had Matt Murray in, we talked a lot about it. The fact that he kind of feels if he'd have been fit, you'd have beaten Albion in that playoffs. Yeah, Matty was massive for us, um, and that was when Wayne Hennessy got his chance. But yeah, we we obviously got in the playoffs and, and lost to West Brom that year, and we just we just didn't have the quality that West Brom were, you know, were better than us, which is hard to take. But um, we had an unbelievable season. I think we finished third or fourth that year um, after ex- you know expectations were to get relegated. I think so. It was a great year. Do you think it would have been too early? that group of players yeah you've got promoted yeah definitely um but what it did do the following season it brought expectation because we did well um the following season we was expected to do well um and i think i picked up an you know an injury that year um and missed a lot of football and i think we missed out on the playoffs by like one goal or something stupid So, so on that then why was on low expectation the following year you know, the season that we did actually go up uh, and win promotion as champions. You don't think there was? Well, I never, I never felt it. I felt that you were close when I came in, obviously, Mick McCarthy. Just speaking to him all summer, I knew exactly what he was. I wanted to play for him. I think within us, there was a group, but there wasn't an expectation, even though, again, Mick McCarthy shown that he recruited the right, I guess the the right characters, the right to, to kind of that the, to strengthen the weaknesses that, that was in the squad from the season before. Why wasn't the expectation from from everyone else? I think because obviously he didn't spend silly amounts of money. Like he bought players in on 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 good buys. Like yeah. you know he bought yourself in, and he didn't spend you know five ten million on you. Um, and he did that with a few. And I felt like he just bridged the gap from not being quite good enough with the quality. And I, I noticed in that pre-season that I just felt we've got the quality now. Um, and I remember doing a running session and, and we were fit as well. We were a fit bunch. Yeah. And I, I remember doing a running session up near the school where it was obviously not there anymore. And I just thought, we look good. Um, and I think we went, did we go eight games on the spin winning start of the season? And then we drew and then we went, went and won eight another games seven, again. Then, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, so we had an unbelievable start. And then I think after we had that start, everyone just thought, wow. Uh, these are going to be there. It kind of came together for you as well because you mentioned you you had a bit of injury issues, which will come onto it, I mm. guess, coming back. But that season, you actually made forty-one appearances. Yeah, I played a lot of games that season. Um, but you even had an injury issue towards the end of it. But it yeah. shows how much you were involved. Yeah, well, there's a story about that injury, and, and sometimes when Wolves fans talk to me and say about injuries and that. That injury that I got at the end of that season, I broke my metatarsal and I broke that in a reserve game. Um, and look, I, I loved Mick McCarthy. He was the best, one of the best managers that I've ever played for. But I actually, it was six games before the end of the season. I think I just scored away at Forest. Um, 
And I was going away with the England under 21s and, and Mick sort of, I had a chat with Mick and he sort of said, he, di- he didn't say pull out, but he sort of said, we've got big six games coming up. What, what's your thoughts on just having a rest for a couple of weeks because of the international break? And I said, I, I totally agree. I, I am tired. You know, I'll ring Stuart Pearce and I'll pull out. I think it's important for, for, for Wolves as a club for me to be fit and raring to go for the last six games. And then he played me in a in a reserve game, only 45 minutes, and I broke my metatarsal in it. So fans don't see that. For me, I could have gone away of England and I could have played you know, two games for England and got two more caps uh, and not broke my metatarsal. For me, I remember coming in crying my eyes out I went into the doc's office he, he, he scanned me straight away and there was a break and I cried my eyes out because I knew that I was going to miss the best part yep. of my career really um, and then after that I, I couldn't get back fit I, I had my hip done at the same time as I had my foot done because I, I had a problem in my hip so we thought it was right to, to do that while I was out and then after that I couldn't get back I think because I had my left foot done and my right hip done I was obviously out and just my knees, then I came back and my knees were you know, chronic tendonitis. So You had an ankle problem as well, didn't you, for a bit? Well, that's when I came back. I came back and I think I got done by Joe Art and done my ankle. But I was very unlucky with my injuries. Yeah. Um, and I was out for a long, long time. <clears throat> and it hurts me because when you said about how many games I played for Wolves in the amount of time I, I was here, yeah. I should have played a lot more. Um, and I found it very difficult, um, obviously, being injured. You said that you, you came in, you knew straight away, you were in tears, the doctor. Is that a conversation then that you had with the gaffer in private then? Or, or is no. that something that you felt that you the frustration that you needed to get that out? or you? No, I've not really spoken about that until now. That's just me hearing it for the first time when I was yeah. I was there. I was I was injured already. I think I'd just done my dislocated my knee with that, that challenge just before. So Yeah. So no, I never really spoke about it and I felt like I sort of owed Mick that not to come out and talk about that because at the end of the day he took me from non league and he turned me into the player that I was and I was absolutely gutted and so was he. He was gutted. Um and he probably knew that he, he, made, he probably wouldn't have made that decision again to play me. I think we played Telford at the training ground and I was only playing 45 minutes. But I get, I always look at managers and think, why have you done that? Why do you make that decision? And I get why he was doing it because we'd had a two-week break. He just wanted to keep my fitness topped up. Didn't want me to play 90 minutes, but just wanted to top me up with 45. But I just felt like there was no point. And, and how, how I broke my foot was just... I just jumped over the keeper. There was no big, massive challenge. It was just, bomb. I broke my metatarsal. And then I knew that I was out for the last six games. And I remember celebrating on the end, at the end of the season with a boot on. And I felt like I, I wasn't part of it. And as you said, I'd made 41 appearances. I think I'd, you know, I'd scored, you know, I think I scored eight goals that season. Yeah. And I think I got most assists in the league and got in team of the year. So, and I actually felt that I hadn't helped the boys. It was it was really weird feeling. No, I was the exact same. Yeah. You know, you know. I think not the boot on seven games to go. Even the games that the boys are doing well in school, you just don't feel part of that group. You know, and that's that's one of the things I don't think people actually understand when you're injured. You know, the the worst thing for any footballer is to be injured to watch the team in that in, at the Compton as well. You know, when you're looking out the window yeah. and you see them training, it is devastating. It's depressing, it's, it's de- <laughs> depressing devastating. So uh, no, but you were very much. Uh, a massive part of that 
you know, the goals that you brought, the goals that you created. You know what I mean? Nottingham Forest. <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. That's the best game yeah. ever in my career, that game. You're unbelievable. Just, we all just clicked that day and we came in. I remember we came in and we was, I think we was 4 0 up at half time and we came in and we all just looked at each other and just started laughing. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, what's just happened there? Do you remember where we were going? Where were we going? Not remember where we went. We were already, we were already, it was already planned. Were we're we out in to, Birmingham? No, no, we're going to Scotland to watch the, before this match. Uh, so we we knew that we had to win because obviously the gaffer knew that there's a, about six of us going up to watch the old firm on the on the Sunday. Oh yeah, and we're four 0 up at half time, so no wonder we just started laughing. <laughs> Big Matt Murray flew up in the the private yeah, plane, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, no, obviously, just that game just sticks out for me. But that season, that season by far is the best season that I've had in football, and it's one that will will stay in my memories forever. And just what a group we had, what a group of lads. Do you see it then as a little bit of like a sliding doors moment that if you hadn't have played in that game, you wouldn't have broken your foot and you might not have had the injury problems that you had after that? Yeah, yeah, I do think that. I think I had a hip problem that I was playing on and that wasn't serious. Um, I could carry on playing that probably needed fixing, but I could have had that fixed in the off-season. Um but my issues of injuries, the main issues that I had was knees. And and that was tendonitis. It's what Owen Hargreaves had to retire with. And I generally thought I wasn't going to get back fit. So I'd worked so hard to get into the Premier League and I couldn't play in the Premier League. I couldn't even walk up and down stairs. Um, I've been to see every single specialist go in. And I think it was just where I'd just been knocked out with with breaking my foot and and my my hip I was obviously so out of sync that my knees were just yeah. I was obviously just walking completely different and and my knees just took everything um and I just couldn't get back fit and it became so frustrating I think if I'd broken my leg I could have dealt with that because I knew that my bone was going to heal and I knew I could count down the days when I was going to be fit I just didn't know when I was going to be fit and I found that really hard mentally how did, how did you cope because you've been through similar periods in your career. Yeah, I think when I broke my foot, I think it was four months without football, no matter what what physical condition that you're in. And I was f- f- the fittest that I've ever been in my career. But it was a longer period for you, wasn't it? It was like, uh, I never knew it was as dark as that for you at the time mm. because you weren't that kind of person. No. You'd come in, you'd still light up the room. But when you were on your own, that must have been like devastating. Well, that's you. the thing with the, with the person that I was in the dressing room. I... I, I I was a laugher and a joker like yourself. Like we used to, you know, we have a laugh and that. And I used to love coming into work every day. I used to look forward to coming into work. But I, I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel with that injury. Um, and I found that really hard. I, I was working every day. And this is where I think the mental side is, is, is very tough because you obviously you go, if you're injured, you go, you go into the physio and the physio wants you to get fit and he needs to be seen to be getting you fit. So he starts working you. But yet, if you're not getting any better mm. and you're, work, you're coming in first in, last out every day and you're doing that every single day and you're not getting any down days, any time to sort of be away from the club, it becomes really hard mentally. And I look back now and I definitely suffered depression through that time. But if you'd have said to me at that time, I think you're depressed. I'd have said, no, nah, I'm all right. And I'd have had this sort of like front on, I was happy, but then I'd go home and... 
I'd lock myself away. I wouldn't want to talk to anyone. And, and I was very, very depressed. And I only know that now. So it was a tough time. How did you get through it then? How did you come out the other side? I had so many different injections, um, different places, because it was one of those injuries where it was sort of like, I was kind of like the first, me and Hargreaves were sort of the first players to have it that bad. So no one really knew how to tackle the injury. And I was going to Barcelona to have injections and I was, I was going all over, the, all over the place to have injections and none of them were working. And in the end, I had it operated on in Sweden and 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 that guy, that guy, I think his his name is Hakad Hakan Halfredson. He saved my career. I mean, I remember when he fixed me, and I, I just knew that it was gone. The pain was gone. I, I was literally wanting to hug him, and just I, I sent him one of my shirts, and on that shirt, I just said, "You saved my career." And, and and so when that pain went, it was just such a relief. And now, because of those experiences, when I've met a player now that's had tendonitis, I I draw to him and I help him. Yeah, and there's been there's been so many players that I've seen and that have had the same problem as me. I help them mentally because because I've been through it. I, I sit there and I talk to them and I say I know I know what you're going through, and then I tell them where to go with their with their treatments and and things that they can do to help themselves. So after all that that dark period, what tell us about your your Premier League debut then? What about your that when that game came, you got the chance to play at that level? But you know what? I can't even remember my Premier League debut. But I remember Mick McCarthy saying to me, so I've been out for what? I don't know how long. I've been out a season and a half. 16 months, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember him saying to me, pulling me in, I'm going to start you tomorrow. Just uh, just keep it simple. You know, you're not going to please everyone. You're not going to you know, take everyone on. And I did that and I think we lost. And I, th- I was... I went home that night just thinking that was that was pointless. Like that's not how I play. And then on the Monday morning, I remember having a chat with him, and he basically said that you need to go out and play some games because I was nowhere near it. Um, and I agreed with him, and that's when I went to Watford. And that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. I think that sort of saved my career a little bit. That little spell at Watford. Just to get match fitness, but the the whole point of that is to go out get yourself fit. Because Mick, you, you know, was at Watford, weren't you? Yeah, you know what I mean exactly. But they know the potential. They know how good you are, and it is the only the only way that you can get to that level again is going out and getting the minutes. You know what I mean? But like you say, it was such an important part of your career that wasn't it? Yeah, it was massive. Um, I think obviously when you've been out that that period of time, you do you need a good few games to get back into it. You know, you probably need ten games on the spin to yeah. you, you, there's no good you coming in playing a game and then you're being you know dropped for a game and then playing 10 15 minutes here and then playing a reserve game it's just it's just not what you need you need constant games and I went to Watford um under a great manager in Dyche uh Sean Dyche and obviously played with yourself there yeah. and I, I had a great time there um and then obviously I came back um, and then I think I've, I think I scored uh, three goals. Yeah, yeah. I think I scored. I don't know if it was my first game back. Uh, third game. So third you game. you came back in and featured in the FA Cup nil nil with Blues, then one one with Spurs, and then you scored in the three two defeat yeah. to Villa. And that 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 goal, the emotions that came out of me in that goal, never felt anything like it in my life. That was just. You know, that was the, one of the best parts of, of my career, that goal. Amazing for you to come back. 
but obviously the club still went down. Talk to us about the group of players, or were you just mainly in that zone, focused on, like you say, I know you you played for Wolves, but you said about there came a point where you had to just think about yourself and play for yourself and get through the minutes for yourself. So when you what what went wrong for that that team to go down when it did? I think obviously confidence was low. Obviously, I'd been at, I'd been at Watford, so I'd sort of found a new lease of life at Watford, and, and we did pretty well at Watford and and Dyche. Yep. And so when I came back, I had sort of that that bounce about me to come back and do well. But the team was struggling, um, and confidence was really low. And I just felt I, I don't I don't think we could have been saved by anyone. And I, and obviously Mick took the brunt of that. Um, and then when he did, um, and they chose to go down, you know, um, the the road in in, in Stolbeck, and I just, I just felt for me, I felt obviously I've missed a lot of Premier League football, um, and it was, I thought it was time for me to leave. Um, I didn't want to leave. Wolves is the only club that I've cried at when I've left. Every other club that I've played for, I've never cried. I've never, I've never thought, oh, I'm going to miss it. Wolves was the only club that I had that feeling for. Um, but it was just something I felt like I had to do. I, I'd spoken to Solbecken and he didn't really fill me with sort of confidence about what, where he was going with the club. Um, he he didn't really say to me, look, look here's a five-year contract. Like We want you to sign. There it is in black and white. So it, it wasn't even like I got offered a new deal. And I just felt I had an opportunity to go to Stoke and I just felt... It was the right decision um, and one that I didn't take, you know, lightly. Um, but obviously I took a little bit of stick for it. Yeah, because did you reject a contract? No. Because that's what came out at the time. No, I didn't reject a contract. There was no contract put in put in front of me. To be fair, Jez did say to me, will you sign a new contract? But the manager, I remember having a conversation with the manager in, 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 in Dublin and um, he sort of said, well, What's happening? What, are you going to go? Or are you going to stay? Because if you're going to go, um, I've got a replacement in for you. Um, he didn't sort of say, like, I really want you to stay and I think we can build and we can get promoted again and this and that. He didn't fill me with confidence the way he wanted to play. I was thinking, I'm not sure about that in the championship, if I'm honest. Um, obviously, he'd been promoted before from the championship, so I thought we had that experience of knowing what the championship's like. I wasn't sure he knew what it was like. And I just see a transition in the club, and I just, I just thought it was time for me to leave. And I, I was, and as I said, I was gutted about it. And and also having that opportunity to to play in the Premier League, because um, yeah. I'd missed so much football of that playing in the Premier League. I, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to play in the Premier League. Um, and I know people say, "Oh, we stuck by you, by you was injured." And I, I get all that. I get that. But also, I got injured playing for the reserves against, I think it was Telford or someone like that. And, you know, I, I didn't choose to play in that game. I got injured in that game. I could have been playing for my country. So that, there's always two sides of every story. Yeah. Um, I I love Wolves to bits and I still do. And I, I scored against them, you know, a couple of years ago for Burton and I, I would not celebrate. And there's no other club that I would do that for. You yeah. said that you got stick. So is that something that you just kept the head down and just accepted it or...? Yeah, just accepted it because I've I've got so much respect for for the club and, and the fans. The way the fans took to me in my first few years, and the way they were with me when I was injured, I've got nothing but bad things, to say, uh, good things to say about the club and the fans. So 
I took that on the chin and it did hurt when when I played against Wolves and I got booed and this and called this and called that and, and I wasn't really one for social media um, and I'm still not um, but I would look at certain things and I'd see that fans are saying this and that and it, it yeah it hurt it hurt but if it was any other club you know if if, if Stoke fans were saying that about me I, w- I wouldn't be too too bothered to be honest but it coming from from Wolves uh, fans it hurt me it's just it's interesting I say and I think maybe part of it Kites was because you kind of was a group of you that kind of left around the same time and it, it felt from the fans point of view that people were jumping ship mm. almost when you were all needed did you know it was going to continue to get worse? Did you think it would continue to go the way it did? I didn't know it was going to go as bad as it, as it went because obviously it got relegated the, the, that season um, again. Um, I just couldn't see... I couldn't see them getting promoted again. And also before, I remember we'd signed... Just before Mick left, we'd signed some players on, on some big money as well. Um who didn't really know the identity of the club. I felt like I knew the identity of the club and that was why I was quite vocal in the dressing room. I remember you mentioned that before. Because I'd been there from the start and I sort of knew the identity of how our squad was and and, and what we were about and what the fans demanded. I felt like a level of... um, Like it was my place to say to someone if they weren't doing it or they weren't being professional or not working hard enough to say it and and we had a, some players come in that were on big money um, that Mick had signed that didn't really work for the club and I felt a little bit I looked at that and thought well I wouldn't have minded if that had gone to Looms or to Carl Emery or to Keo Vokes or, you know the lads that were the core lads that had done it and I, I had a bit of resent I was resenting the that a little bit about about the lads that came in that had not done well for the club. Because we were talking, obviously, beforehand about the fact that we had Roger Johnson in on this podcast and he'd kind of talked, obviously, very honestly about the situation when he was made captain. And (laughs) we've had Carl Henry in, we've had a number of people in. I know that you didn't necessarily agree with the decision to take the armband off, Carl. No, I didn't like that decision at all. I just, I didn't see the point of it. Um... As I said, Mick McCarthy's a great manager and he'd done some great things, but he, he also made some mistakes. And I think he'd probably hold his hands up now and say that he did. Um, obviously, Rodge was doing really well at, at, at Birmingham and, and, and was a good signing for us at the time. Um, I just didn't feel like he needed that extra pressure. He came in on, on a lot of money, been bought for a lot of money. And for me, Carl was probably the best captain that I'd played for. Um, you know, he, he was he was the player's captain. Um, and I... I didn't like that. How did that? So you didn't like it. How did that affect the dressing room? That 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 that, that decision because just and it is, it's just about speaking honestly because you were you were right there, weren't you? Yeah, it affected it massively. I thought because I f- I felt that that team that got promoted, we had been brewing for a couple of years and we'd been building together, 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 got promoted, and then I get that we've got to then bridge the gap to the Premier League and then we've got to try and stay in the Premier League but I just felt that it wasn't needed I felt Carl was a very very good captain um, it was just uh, there was just no reason for it and and I think a lot of the lads felt the same 
So then almost without being Roger's fault, the lads sort of didn't really take to Rog because they thought, who's this guy coming in? What's well, loyalty Carl as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So it was so hard for Rog to come in and, and then his form wasn't that great to start because obviously he would have had a lot of pressure and I felt a little bit sorry for Rog, to be honest, because although I didn't agree with a few things that he did and, few, and how he was a little bit... Um, He's actually a good guy, Rog, and, and I've seen Rog recently, and yeah, he's a, he's an honest guy, and he came in and he wanted to do well for the club, but it just didn't work out. So the big question: if you had the opportunity again, would you have still left or would you have stayed? Uh, I would have liked to have seen what happened if I'd have stayed. Do you think that's down to the manager? You know, like saying to you, you know what, you're in my plans, this is the way that I'm going to play. He straight away, saw back and came, and he was he was very negative about English football. Well, well I'm mm. afraid you're, you're playing, and this is English football. You, you have to do what it takes. The possession game that never really created a do lot. Do you remember his first meeting? I wasn't there. I wasn't oh, here, he wasn't but there. I just, I've, I've heard from the outside, I've read a little bit, and it's interesting. So, no, tell us about the first he, meeting. His first meeting was at the end of the season. Obviously, been announced that he was the manager for the following season. So, bear, this is before we go on our holidays. And he came in, and, and, and none of us knew who he was. We were sort of Googling him, seeing who he was. But we were good lads. We were obviously going to give him a fair crack of the whip. And he's come in and he's gone, um, I know none of you know who I am, but I don't know who any of you are. But hopefully, we'll get to know each other. And I just thought, oh no. Like, <laughs> that is not what I wanted to hear. You know, I, I, I'd just been relegated from the Premier League after missing so many prim- so many so much Premier League football I wanted to get back in the Premier League and I just thought oh alarm bells just rang for me and I just thought I went away that summer went on holiday and I just thought I think it's time for me to leave and I came back pre-season and I came back fit to be fair I remember because I was so eager to do well and I started pre-season and I felt good we played a game over in uh, in, in Ireland and I, I think I scored a couple and I just I felt sharp and he didn't then say to me, look, please, sign this contract. You're a big part for us. You, you're going to help us get back to where we want to get. Um, you've been here a long time. You can help the dressing room. He didn't give me that sort of feeling that I needed at that time. And that is why I chose to leave. But I do look back and think, what if I'd have stayed? But would he have gave me the responsibility to try and help that squad stay together in the mm. way that we were at as a team, you know, he brought he brought some players in that I'm not sure connected with the other lads. I think it was that squad that was so connected and so driven by each other sort of fell away within the dressing room. Not just the lads that left, but the lads that were still there and then the lads that came in, click started happening. Yeah, that's 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 why I believe then they ended up getting relegated again. The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that was a show on with the podcast. Um, you were just saying to us just very quickly there off air, like it's difficult because the stuff that you never know whether to talk about. And I think there's enough time that's passed in it. And it's it's truth, isn't it? It's, it's what happened. It's the story. Yeah, but you've, you've like I say, you've not threw anyone under the bus. You've been honest. You understand why certain people made 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 uh, made certain decisions. You know, it's part and parcel of football. Like you say, you jumped over the keeper. In that in that uh, reserve game, 
that could have happened anywhere. That could have happened in training, you know. But mm. like you say, it's just the, the hindsight, the sliding door moment, as as, as Mickey said. Uh, you know what? It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a funny one for me. You know, I again, my biggest regret in football is leaving Wolves. Mm. I had that chat with Mick. I needed to play more, and he was honest about it. Said, look, you you'll be involved, and in, you'll start some games. You'll be involved on in the bench. Sometimes you won't even make my bench. Burnley had offered me a three-year contract on the on the same money as Wolves in the Premier League, but in the Championship. So then it's that point in life where you're thinking family, security, financial, you know, and that's that's part and parcel of football. At the end of the day, it is, it is a job that mm. everyone would die to get. So you had every right as a footballer, you want to play at the highest level. And I think that's probably the, the main point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Like you, you missed so much of the Premier League with a club that you loved, you have an opportunity to go straight back there. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the main thing with me, obviously, with regretting not leaving because I felt like I had to do it, but I I felt that when I did leave, I never had the same love for football again at any other club. I, I, after that, I then played for myself at, at the rest of the clubs that I were at, um, and obviously got two promotions at Burnley, um, and they were great promotions. But it was nothing quite like the first um, at Wolves, and, and and part of my love for football did sort of die when I left when I left Wolves, and I only know that now. Now when I look back, I didn't think that at the time, but when I look back now, it was it was the best best part of my life. Uh, well, a part of my career. It's quite a big thing to say, though, isn't it? Yeah, it was just on it. That's just me being just brutally honest. Um, and in in a way. Is that why it hurts so much that the fans' reaction to you sometimes has been the way it's been? Because you clearly have such an affection for this place. Yeah, yeah, but then also I understand why they why they you know felt like that. So I don't I don't blame them, um, not at all. But obviously I've never really come out and spoke about how I've felt about the club or how I've um, how things affected me. Um, you know, I, I went on to have a really good you know time at Burnley and, and Burnley was probably the second best time that I'd had you know two promotions under Dyche and played under a really good manager but it was just everything that happened with Wolves coming from from Grace for 25 grand seeing this stadium you know what a football club coming in playing uh, doing well nearly getting promoted just missing out then getting promoted playing for England because of you know the 21s because of yeah. how well I was doing for Wolves and just Nothing but good memories. Obviously, injuries, worst thing in my career. Obviously, battled depression at the time, didn't know it. But I look back now and I don't look, I don't think about those injuries. I think about the good times that I had here. Um, it's no wonder you enjoyed your time at Burnley anyway, because it was like the Wolves' old boy. <laughs> well, well, that helps. That helps. I seem to follow like looms around everywhere. Obviously, um, Watford, and then he played for Burnley. Yeah, but we had obviously Dave Jones and Wardy. We had Wardy, Voxy. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Dyche even tried to sign Keo at one point. <laughs> e Banks Blake, he tried to sign. He had Tom Heaton, I'd played for uh, in the twenty-one. So there was. It was very familiar, and it was very similar squad uh, and we are, when we left Wolves I always said never get a squad like that again and I actually did at Burnley <laughs> and it was crazy because it was half of the Wolves squad <laughs> um, and that was a great time of time at Burnley but at Wolves it was just that it was special it was it was, it was something about it I can't 
put my finger on it. I, I think it was just a lo- love. I think it was love for the club. There was love from the fans towards me, and there was love going back the other way from me to to the fans and everyone that worked at the club and and, and the players. And I think that will always stay in my heart forever. Um, you mentioned it earlier in the part about um, the interest that was in you when you first came. And I guess in the other summers as well, because you pretty much signed a new contract every summer, which was clearly to try and ward off any interest. Well, I think in that's because I got bought for you know a packet of peanuts. I was <laughs> I was only on a packet of peanuts a week at the time. <laughs> but um, one of the teams that was heavily linked to you was Man United. Mm. Was that true? Did you yeah, nearly well, sign for United? Well, I didn't nearly sign because obviously I'd signed on loan, view to a permanent. So on the January the first, that automatically went to a permanent. I don't think you can do that anymore. Um, but Ferguson had rang the Greys manager, I think like mid-December, um, and said, what's the crack with Kiteley? Is he is he done and dusted at Wolves? And they were like, well, I think because obviously United had rang them. Well, no, like, you know, we can try and stop it. I, I remember the chairman, bit of a bit of a boy, you know, wanted obviously to get more than 25 grand for me. So I think he was like, well, we don't have to sign the papers over on the 1st of Jan. We can, we can waiver that sort of thing. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm signing for Wolves. I, I started great and I was enjoying it and I loved it. So I, w- I was never going to think about signing for United. But, you know. Would have been Why not? It was Man United. I know. I just uh, It was just weird. I was just in that sort of zone where I was just enjoying myself here. And I was, just, I was playing and I was just loving it. I, you know, I'd gone from Grays. I was, I was on fairly decent money at Grays and I'd, I was earning a bit more money. So money wasn't an issue. I didn't think about... Uh, to be honest, I thought if I went to Man United, I'd probably get swallowed up uh, and, and just stay in their reserves for a couple of years. And then and then if I don't break through, then, then where am I going to go? Where at Wolves, I could just feel something was going to happen within, within a couple of years of my time here. So I'm glad, I, I don't regret that decision at all. I mean, in fairness, um, you would have played with Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney and probably won the European Cup. Yeah, exactly. I probably wouldn't have played, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing because I read a thing. Weren't you referred to at the time as the Ryan Giggs of non-league? Yeah, it was yeah, which is mad because he was obviously my hero. Um, That's a great nickname, though, isn't it? Absolutely yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and, and to be fair, the, the 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 Grays manager at the time had said to me, "You're playing the Premier League," and I was playing obviously in the Conference, and I thought he was crazy. I thought he got no hope for me playing in the Premier League, but he was right. Um, we're going to get to Looms's rundown in just a second. Um, there is something that I wanted to bring up and um, when I was watching, um, doing some research on you to kind of rejig my memory of some of the stuff that happened and some of the footage that's online, by the way, it's like, honestly, it's like it's about 40 years ago, like the quality (laughs) of the footage from even 10 years ago and stuff. But you were a massive tap-in merchant. Yeah, I used to get in the box. Yeah, I used to... He was, wasn't he? What am I hearing? I mean, he was a good player. You've got to get all types Don't of goals, didn't you? Don't even listen to him. What, what, what was, is that? He was a massive right, right, right at the end, you just try and get a wee nibble. As per, he was a I'm massive a few. Some of the worldies that I've seen you score yeah. and make for yourself. Are you having a laugh? He was a massive <laughs> tapping merchant. Oh. I've got a few tappings, but I, I, I like the tappings. They're the, they're the best ones, aren't they? But how many, how many do you reckon I got? Five tappings? There was more than five. Do you reckon? There's a, the, honestly, there's a video online. That's, I mean, some of them are I like hard-working tappings. 
but still <laughs> tapping. You released Somir as a, a young boy. Honestly, honestly just some massive Honestly, I will find the, I will find the video out for you. I mean, it's, it's, send me that video as well. I used to set loons up to tap in, surely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, goals there were there yeah. were some good goals in there. I'm not going to deny that, but there was an awful lot of tapping. Sorry to bring this up, but yeah, you were a tapping merchant. Are you for sure? <laughs> I don't mind that. Ignore him, mate. No, Ignore I don't him. mind that. Straight though, into it. It's yeah, I don't though. mind a tap yeah, in. Don't even reply to him. <laughs> right, straight into the rundown. Best player you played with at Wolves? Um, wow. What's well, a rundown? This has got to be a, this is quite yeah, quiet. Uh, Gary Breen. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, people did dream of a team of Gary. No, honestly, he was really good. I, I when I first signed, I thought he was going to be terrible because obviously everyone gave him abuse. <laughs> but he was, he was brilliant. So clever, yeah. brilliant. Was training at the club. God, we had a few of them. Um, don't throw him under the best case. <laughs> Lose. He was up there. Um, worst trainer. Uh, I think it's Looms. Really. <laughs> What the hell? Why? Come on, you got you got to give him the reason. Do you know what it was? Everybody in this room is loving this moment right now. Maybe ref so many all the time. There was a time I think in the manga when we'd had a few drinks the night before, and I think someone played Looms a through ball, and he's onto it, and the ball's just getting further and further away from him. Looms is going this way and the ball's going that way and he's turned around and he's gone good ball good ball and after that the boys are cracking up just for this guy <laughs> to be fair he had had a few the night before I think cheers mate <laughs> biggest mourner Carl Emery without a doubt uh, who was your best friend at Wolves there was a there was a bunch of us um, we had a good group didn't we we yeah. were all good friends but probably um, yeah, they have to be Stephen Ward the best and worst address since Stephen Ward was probably the worst. Uh, he came over from from, uh, from Ireland, and I sort of tried to take him under my wing with that. Uh, best dress, to be fair, Looms, you were up there. I'll probably I'll yeah. give you that one. I'll take that. You, I remember we did a video once, and you used to take the Mickey out of Matt Murray for his clothes. And I remember because I've got the video somewhere of you saying that he had a, a jacket that made him look like Mark Fowler from EastEnders. Yeah, he had a rascal leather jacket that he used to love. He used to wear it all the time. <laughs> Uh, who was the funniest player you played with? Um, Mickey Gray. Mickey Gray, obviously yourself, we used to enjoy your banter. Um, and Jackie McNamara, uh, those three up there. Uh, best manager you worked for at Wolves, obviously. Yeah, obviously Mick McCarthy. Um, was, was here for most of my time, other than I think TC took it for a bit. What was the best goal that you scored? No. The best goal that I scored was the one at Forest. My second goal at Forest, left foot. The first one weren't too bad, to be I, fair. Uh, I'd rewritten that question and he, he refused to read it out. Go on. I'd rewritten it as what was the best tapping that you scored? <laughs> best tapping I scored was probably. I don't know, actually. Can't think of them. I'm to Burnley, I think I scored a tap in. To be fair, you did, there is, um, you mentioned the Forest goal. Um, I know Yanni, who's running the cameras, feels the same about this, and I feel the same. The Derby one. Yeah, that was a big goal Derby for me, that away. one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a big game for us as well. And, you know, to, to do that, I think it was in the 90th minute, um, was, was, was great. And I think it got sort of voted for goal, goal of the month or was up there for one of those. 
I think you've already touched on this. What was the best game that you were involved in? Yeah, it was obviously the Forest game. Just everything clicked, not just myself, just everyone was on it that day. Um, to come in at half-time at 4-0 up and, and just to look around the dressing room and all the lads couldn't believe it's like laughing at each other as if what's just happened there. So yeah, that, that was a great day. And finally, uh, what was your proudest moment at Wolves? My proudest moment was seeing us get promoted. Um, I remember I was sitting in the stands because I was injured, um, watching the boys play. I think Ebanks Blake scored at home to QPR, and I was sitting in the director's box and I just broke down in tears. And I was I was just so proud that we'd actually done it, and I was so pleased for everyone. And I went down to the dressing room and I think I cried again. <laughs> I was a bit emotional because I was injured, but yeah, it was definitely the the day that we actually got promoted, even though I wasn't part of it. Spot on. Sounds like it was a fun dressing room. It was with you boys in there. It was very, very fun, and and they're the things that you miss when you stop playing. That that, that kind of dressing room. I've played in dressing rooms where I don't miss them at all, but that's one that I definitely miss. Can we say thank you as well for putting Looms in there as worst trainer? It's one of the best moments I've had on this podcast for a while. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone else, so I thought I'd just well, throw him course, under the bus. Of course, a few times. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. He had the yellow jersey a few times, yeah. as I did, I think. I got the yellow jersey being ref. <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Perfect. Thank you. Oh, my God. Tapping, what the hell? I'm sure I've got five. Five have to show me this. You obviously know he's done a bit of research. He's going, how can I get a reaction with Kate's? Yeah. And you never got it. Yeah. I did get it. I got it from all of you. I got it from all of you. You got it from everyone but Kate's. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. You've experienced the thrill of Molly you on a match day. Now go behind the scenes with our exclusive stadium tours. Taking you from the stands to the dressing room, see where Nuno and the team don the old gold and take your chance to walk out that famous tunnel into the Golden Palace. Book online for just £12 for adults, £7 for concessions, and you can even book your own private VIP tour for up to 20 people by emailing museum at wolves.co.uk. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. Jimenez! Oh, you beauty! But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. Jota on the volley, oh, what a goal! That is simply stunning! So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.